Are you ready for the latest Habs news, passionate debate, and in-depth analysis from hockey experts around the league? It's the most informative and interactive podcast about the Montreal Canadiens. This is the Canadians Connection Podcast, featured on allhabs.net, with your hosts, Joe Whalen and Rick Stevens. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Canadians Connection Podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio, keeping you informed, engaged, and entertained. My name is Joseph Whalen, and I'll be your host for the next hour. And uh, this is episode 41 of the Canadians Connection Podcast, the Yaroslav Halak edition. And uh, I'm pleased to be joined in studio by my co-host, the uh, Yaro Halak to my Jocelyn Thibault, Mr. Rick Stevens. And Rick, I usually ask how you're doing, but I feel like the more appropriate question is, how are you feeling? (laughs) Well, if you re-listen to uh, uh, last (laughs) week's podcast, uh, I sounded close to death, but uh, no, I am, I am, I am well, Um, not a hundred percent yet, but uh, certainly uh, a lot better than last week. And I'm excited to be here on the Canadians connection. And, and we got lots of news um, to talk about this week, you know, I just want to say before we get underway that um, we've got we've we're we're, we're thrilled to have uh, it each week um, in the summer um, as uh, other um, pause podcasts or news outlets are, are taking a break. Uh, we've been powering through, and and so uh, we're gaining all kinds of uh, new new listeners, and we welcome you all, and we're happy you're with us, and. And we, we hope that you like what you hear and, and um, we're, we're very committed to um, providing you with the best kinds of information. Listen, there's, there's in the marketplace, there's, there's lots of little uh, podcasts springing up all over the place from Habs fans. And, and that's a good thing. Um, there's, there's a place for, for, for fan shows. We have two, fan-led podcasts in our roster and in rocket sports radio and there, there's a place for that we, but we also have two uh that are are led by uh, credentialed uh, journalists and and this is the canadians connection we rebranded it this season uh after a nine-year run with habs 360 it, it has those roots um we try to give you something i think we try to give you something very different here it's um, it's not the, you know, it's not the cheerleader kind of approach, rosy spin approach. Um, this podcast having been put together by three experienced credential journalists, um, it is called the hockey, the, the Canadians connection because we use our, our hockey connections. Uh, we use our connections in the hockey community. Uh, we're going to bring you, uh, the straight, uh, uh, unvarnished story, um, you know, over many years, uh, we've we've uh, carefully cultivated our connections with uh, players and coaches and general managers and scouts and all kinds of hockey personnel, um, and that helps you to cut through the the speculation and the spin and and to truly understand how um, decisions are made. Um, so, uh, all that to say, welcome. Um, we hope you like uh, what you hear, and uh, we always enjoy connecting with you in our huge, enormous uh, social media community. 
and uh, we'll, we'll tell you how to get in touch with uh, us as we go along. Absolutely. Very, very well said. And, you know, I feel like, as you mentioned, that we, we power through last week was very much like the uh, Michael Jordan flu game uh, Canadians <laughs> Connection episode. Equally as impressive, uh, by the way. Uh, kidding, of course. But uh, you said it best. We do have a lot to get to. So I think it is, uh, it is appropriate that we just dive in because it's July, folks. Free agency has begun. That window is open. There's been a lot of player movement going on, and the Montreal Canadiens have been involved in a little bit of that. Obviously, uh, the elephant in the room is the Sebastian Ajo offer sheet, and we're going to get to that later on in, that, in this show because that needs its own space to breathe and to dissect in, in a much larger uh, you know, sort of uh, focus on it than the rest of the moves that the Canadians have made. Um, but before we get there, as you said, you can reach us. Uh, we, we're a live show. We, you could call in. You could text. We have our Twitter account, at Habs Connection. You can follow Rick at All Habs and myself at Joe Whalen 19 But what are those numbers that the people could reach us with? You can call us directly in the studio. The number here is uh, 213-943-3754. That's during the live show, 213-943-3754. Uh, but we know a lot of you listen to us on demand, and, and we love that. So we provide you a number that you can reach us any time of the week. 24 hours a day, you can text us at 5853ROCKET, and that number is being <laughs> well used. We're getting all kinds of messages, really positive messages about uh, the podcast, but also expressing uh, your thoughts about any topic. That, again, is 5853ROCKET. And we're, as, as you said, we're called the Canadians Connection. We love to connect with uh, all sorts of Habs fans with differing viewpoints. So use those numbers if you choose to do so. And uh, yes, so I think it's best that we dive in and discuss everything that's gone on since we last spoke. And, and we were on the air last week, and that was uh, just a couple of days before free agency began. And the day after we, our last episode, and this was something that we had discussed on last week's episode and something that we discussed weeks ago when we were discussing what Montreal might have to do uh, this offseason. And it was a trade involving Andrew Shaw that ultimately sent him back to Chicago. Uh, in return, the Canadians get a uh, second and a seventh in 2020 and a third in 2021. Uh, joining Andrew Shaw as part of the deal, it was a seventh in 2021 so Shaw and a seventh in 21 for a, a second a seventh in 2020 and a third in 2021 and then not long after that there was a, another trade which was Nick Delorier to Anaheim for a fourth in 2020 so the Canadians cleared up a little bit of cap space gave themselves a little bit more wiggle room to get things done uh, on July 1st and and ultimately they did do some things on July 1st. They, uh, they signed Keith Kincaid to a one-year $1.75 million deal. Of course, they uh, offer-sheeted Sebastian Ajo. Before that, though, they did sign Riley Barber on a one-year two-way deal, uh, expected probably to be a, an AHL player for, uh, for this season. And, uh, yeah, so that was, mo that was what they did on July 1st. You had Kincaid, the one-year $1.75 the Ajo offer sheet, and then you had uh, Riley Barber as well. So I guess in, in conjunction with the 
trades of Shaw and Delore to free up the cap space. What did you make of their July 1st? Listen, I, I, um, I have been critical of, of both trades uh, that brought Andrew Shaw to Montreal and uh, Nicholas Delorier to Montreal. Um, certainly, I felt that uh, Zach Redman and the excellent job that he did um, with um, uh, the, the Rochester Americans, um, uh, th- that, that offensive puck-moving defenseman would have helped uh, Lavelle a great deal and and um, after the first uh, you know uh, couple of months we didn't see anything uh, any kind of con- contribution or production uh, out of uh, Delorier particularly last year as as uh, he he just couldn't keep with a high tempo kind of game that they were trying to play and Shaw it was just about um, what they gave up to get uh, to get him the 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 two uh, early second round picks that were, were uh, could have been used for uh, Girard and Debrinkat and Tim and said as much that that those were they were uh, tar- that's the those are the players he was targeting uh, and then I was always critical of the the um, amount of the contract and the um, the term um, and yeah. uh, listen a good move by um, um, good moves, I guess, by, by Bergevin to free up that money and uh, went back to his, you know, his favorite trading partner and Bob Murray to get rid of DeLorean who, who knew you could get uh, that kind of return for, uh, for him. Um, But then, yes, it was, it was more about what was done with that money. Riley Barber is, is a good ad for um, the Laval rocket. He's, he's a, uh, career AHLer, and he's contributed uh, for the last four seasons. Uh, when we went into Hershey um, to watch L- the Laval Rocket, we knew you had to keep an eye on Riley Barber. He's he'll be a solid contributor, and something that that um, uh, the the Laval Rocket lacked last year. Um, you know, uh, we've been critical about. Uh, Laval uh, getting rid of Bergevin and, and Bouchard seeing no use for Chris Terry or Dan Carr or uh, Adam Cracknell or those players. And, and they, they kind of relied on the Belzeals and, and uh, Grenier's and, and Alain's and, and it didn't really work out. So this, this is a good trade, although we'll see when we talk about uh, how the roster shaping up that my goodness, there's, a lot of players to deal with uh, in both Montreal and, and Laval. Um, Kincaid is a bit of a head stra- scratcher. I understand that the Canadians had their eyes on McElhaney and, and uh, of course he went for cheaper uh, to Tampa Bay. Um, Kincaid had a terrible season last year um, in and around the, the anti-Niemi kind of uh, range Um and even if you look back historically, he's kind of that mediocre kind of goaltender. Um, obviously, Stefan Wade has seen something that he thinks that he can work with. And he's had um, kind of temporary success with guys that they've brought in, Montoya or, or Niemi uh, at first and, and, uh, uh, and others. Um, uh, but whether he, this is the dependable backup that can, can give Carey Price uh, you know, uh, uh, a rest for 20 or, tw- or 25 or 30 games. I, I don't know if that, that guy is, um, 
is Keith Kincaid. Um, certainly hasn't in his history um, had the, the the numbers to to show that. Um, so I, I, I yeah, it's kind of a a, a mixed bag, I guess, a mixed success rate for Bergevin um, on July first. Yeah, and, and I guess we'll, we can extend it to July fifth, where I mean, just yesterday. They signed Nick Cousins, but before that, they also signed Ben Sherratt and Phil Veroni. But the Sherratt signing probably being their biggest. But when you look at all of it and you look at everything to this point that Mark Bergevin has done, I mean, I agree with you. And we both said this when we were talking about our roster projections for next year uh, about a month ago or so. We said that Andrew Shaw was probably going to have to be a guy that's moved on from just because you look at that cap and it's it's just not something that you really need on this roster. And in addition to that, I mean, okay, so you go and you clear up that space, but then what are you using it on? And aside from the Sebastian Ajo attempted offer sheet, and I said we're going to get to that later, but there's nothing there that that shows me that this that this is something that that this organization is committed to improving and adding to this team. And listen, I like me, but some Ben Sherrod, he was a guy who was a St. John's ice cap early in his professional career. I've got a soft spot in my heart for anybody that played at any point in time for the St. John's ice caps. But you look at this and, and especially when you consider you're paying 1.75 for Keith Kincaid, you're paying 1.5 for Mike Riley you're paying $1 million minimum for all of this team's fourth liners or fringe players. So you look at it and you say, okay, so aside from Yasperi Kotkaniemi, Ryan Paling, Meta, and Noah Juleson, where's this team saving money for a team that's been so unwilling to give large amounts and big contracts to guys who could actually significantly improve this hockey club? They've been giving little $1 million deals, 1.75, 1.5. And I know that if you look at those deals individually, it doesn't seem like much, but it adds up. And the Canadians have got a lot of guys that are making $1 million in that ballpark of a $1 million. And you can scour the market. If, you wanted, if you're going to go sign Ben Sherratt to 3.5 per, then you don't need Mike Riley at 1.5. I understand you need defensemen. I understand you need depth, but you can scour the market for someone that's cheaper than Mike Riley. You can, you can develop your own and bring them up. And then you have somebody that can give you more or less what Mike Riley gave you over the last 21 games, which by the way, was only three games. So, you know, I, I, that, that to me is the part of it that's frustrating. And I said, we're going to get to the Sebastian Ajo discussion, but, what were, what were your overall thoughts, again, again with, with adding Ben Sherratt to the blue line, adding Nick Cousins to the fourth line, and uh, Phil Veroni, another guy who could, uh, who could really improve Laval? Listen, I, I agree with you. Uh, Phil Veroni, we, we, we watched him with the Phantoms um, and, and um, uh, didn't have the success he had last year. Two years ago, he was uh, runner-up to Chris Terry, uh, who was the um, – uh, scoring leader in in the AHL uh, for the Rocket. I, uh, it, this is this is hopefully um, 
uh, Joe Bouchard realizing, I know he complained about it a lot, but he had a, f- a firm hand in, in putting together all of uh, players that he was very familiar with from the Armada um, and realizing that he made some big mistakes last year in putting together the roster. Phil Veroni is a nice ad, um, but, but yes, um, n- not, not uh, helpful when it comes to um, uh, the Canadians. And, and, you know, we want to, we've said it many times, uh, it's great to have a terrific prospect pool, but you don't want to put too many um, obstacles in their way for them to get the ice time they need to develop. Uh, and that's, that's the, the critical balance that you have to have at the AHL level. Um, as far as, as uh, Ben Chirot, um I know it's tough for Canadians fans. Uh, they see him twice a year. And um, uh, I, I've, as you know, um, I keep an eye on the Winnipeg Jets. Used to live in Winnipeg, so I uh, uh, had Winnipeg Jets season tickets, and and um, I still have, have have a fondness for for that team, and so I've kept an eye on them. Listen, Ben Girard is is and and before I go into this, um, I I don't want to be critical of Ben Girard. <laughs> I don't. I like him. I I, I yeah. like him. I he plays with an edge. With size, he's a likable guy uh, off the ice. Um, I I really like him, but I feel like I'm in the same situation um, at the beginning of last season. Uh, everyone was was telling me that um, Charles Houdon was going to be the the second line winger that the Canadians were looking for, and and they guaranteed 20 goals uh, in this the season and. And it was the same situation. I loved uh, Charles Houdon. He was great with us when we talked to him in, in uh, uh, you know, both the, the, the ice caps and, and the rocket. And um, I hate criticizing a player, but it's all about tempering expectations, which is what yeah. I ha- was, had to do last year. And I feel I have to do with respect to Ben Sherrod. You know, we're talking about, uh, oh, he'll look good next to uh, Jeff Petrie. Oh, he'll look good next to Shea Weber. Um, ben Sherratt is a is a middling kind of defenseman. He's got plenty of real healthy number of AHL games on his resume. Some e- ECHL. Um, I think him in in when I'm watching the Jets, I think of him as a third pairing defenseman, and ideally that's his role. Last year, the Jets had a ton of injuries on, on defense and yeah. players were, were forced to move up the, uh, the chain and, and including Sherrod. So he played a lot as a second pairing defenseman is ideally, is he a second pairing defenseman? Probably not. Um, you know, but he, last season he was a, a minutes eater, um, and, um, and, and paired with, with, uh, uh, Bufflin, um, you know, his numbers look pretty good. Um, but as soon as he's not paired with Bufflin and you can look at his possession numbers, you can look at, at uh, the, the number of, of high danger shots allowed. As soon as you take him away from Bufflin, you look at his numbers with Myers, you look at his numbers with Kulikov, you look at his numbers with Truba and they drop off a cliff. Yeah. So, um, you know, last season, Ben Sherratt was a $1.4 million def- third-pairing defenseman who got 
placed in a higher role, and he did he did well. He did well. Um, but is he? Uh, are you going to feel the same about him when you measure him at a, a three point five million dollar defenseman in a second pairing role? Um, I I don't know about that, um, and I I'm I'm feel pretty confident to say that the Canadians still have an issue uh, at uh, the left-hand defenseman position. Yeah, and I mean, I think there's still that issue of, well, Ben Schrott's not a guy that I think is going to be a fit next to Shea Weber, and yes, there's the idea that he could be a good partner for Jeff Petrie, but that wasn't the issue. I think you could put anybody with Jeff Petrie and feel pretty confident that Jeff Petrie was going to be able to be a guy that you could rely on. The issue is you go back next year again with Victor Meta as, as a Shea Weber's defensive partner. And listen, that's nothing against Victor Meta, but at a certain point you have to look at him and say that he's not reached the point where he should be relied upon like that. So I think it's doing a disservice to both of those players, quite frankly. So anyways, we'll, uh, listen, we'll... Do, it, do it yourself. Yeah. Um, Go to evolving hockey. Go to go to one of these that that do the comparisons, the offensive defensive comparisons, and stick in the two players. Um, you know, when you compare Ben Sherratt to a Mike Riley, great, he's an upgrade. You compare yep. Ben Sherratt either last season or this the uh, previous seasons to a Jordy Ben, um, and oh well, that's a pretty pretty good comparison. You see. One player is, uh, one defenseman is better in some areas. Uh, the other defenseman is, is better in the other. Um, so uh, take a look at that. And, and um, Ben Sherratt is, uh, he's, he's not going to uh, give you a lot of offensive production. In fact, when he's on the ice, uh, not much hap- happens in the, on the offensive side. Um, he'll, he'll, um, give you uh, he'll make it he's tough to play against and he'll make it tough on opposing forwards but uh he'll need a strong defensive pair uh on the other side to help him with respect to uh possession and uh giving up uh, high danger scoring chances yeah so keeping it moving because there was a little bit more news that came out yesterday uh Arturi Lekkinen, Yol Armia and uh and Charles Udon, they're all headed for arbitration. So um and, and you mentioned, I mean, when talking about when we get in when we got into this point of the off season, I think we kind of assumed that those were the biggest fish to fry for Mark Bergeron and the Montreal Canadiens. Uh that being Arturi Lekkinen and Yol Armia and, and we got to this point now where they're headed for arbitration and, and really anything can happen at this point. Yeah, this is um, oftentimes uh, when the arbitration is uh, hearing is set, um, the the parties are able to come up with an agreement just prior to the hearing. Um, yeah. And and that's this is this is Joel Ar- Joel Armia's um, second consecutive season that he's he's going to arbitration. Last season, um, he got a, a one I think it was one point eight five million dollar award. Uh, and that was that was a couple of days before his uh, his arbitration hearing. Um, so three players, um, uh, Lekkonen, Hudon, and and Armia. Uh, the fourth RFA is is Mike McCarron, and and um, having not played an NHL game 
uh, last year, he's going to uh, continue to or have his agent continue to negotiate. He's not going to go to arbitration. I don't think um, that would work out too well for him uh, if he did. Yeah. So it remains to be seen what those players will get uh, from the Montreal Canadiens in terms of their new contracts and, and when that will even be. You know, we don't know. We could It could be a, you know, a, a decent amount of time before we even hear anything on it. And this was the first bit of news that we really heard about Arturi Lackinen or Yola Mia. So uh, those two remain uh, pretty interesting things to watch as we progress through the course of the offseason. Um, so I guess we'll take a quick break now because we do have our big topic segment. I said, I said we're going to keep it for later, and it is coming up. We are going to dive in to the Sebastian Ajo offer sheet. And, and everything about it from Montreal side of it to Carolina side of it to where do the Montreal Canadiens go from here. So after a quick break, we're going to come back and discuss that. Stay with us. Rocket Sports Media is currently recruiting talented, motivated, and committed people to join our team. If you're a student wishing to gain experience, a young professional interested in broadening your credentials, an experienced hockey mind looking for a platform to share your expertise, or a passionate fan looking to contribute to our publications by connecting with fellow hockey fans, we want to hear from you. We are specifically interested in individuals who have education and or experience in the following areas, sports writing, translation, editing, forum administration, social media administration, multimedia, graphic design, web development and user support, event planning, and sponsorship and marketing. If you are bright, loyal, passionate, and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, visit allhabs.net and click the Join Our Team tab today. In every city around the world, sports fans flock to popular watering holes to share a few pints, some good grub, and to cheer for their team. Think your favorite sports bar deserves to be recognized? Or are you traveling to a new place and need to find the perfect spot to watch a game? HockeyPub.com is the answer. Find out where the best spots are located in your city to eat, drink, and meet fellow fans. HockeyPub.com Want the latest Habs news with game previews, reviews, and highlights? How about full coverage of development camps and special events? Looking to follow the Laval Rocket more closely this season? Perhaps you'd like to learn more about team prospects. Would you like a place to socialize with hockey fans all over the world? We've got what you're looking for at allhabs.net, the place where you'll find everything you need to be the most informed and connected Habs fan around. Allhabs.net. And welcome back to the Canadians Connection Podcast. My name is Joe Whalen, and I'm joined by uh, the president and founder of Rocket Sports Media, the, uh, the phenomenal Rick Stevens. And Rick, we do have a question of the week, an impromptu question of the week, but a question of the week nonetheless. We do, and um, it stems from, um, you know, we're, we're going to talk about Aho, and, and with that failed attempt, uh, Canadians fans are getting rather enthusiastic uh, about Mark Bergevin um, using that card again. Um, and so I, I, for the last couple of days, I've seen all kinds of 
of uh, Twitter posts about the Canadians are going to um, get Mitch Marner uh, via offer sheet. Canadians are going to get Patrick Lina by a trade or offer sheet. Uh, or or I, I've seen that they're going to get both. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, why don't, why don't we just um, shoot for the stars here? Um, we want to hear from you about your uh, shoot for the stars hope uh, for uh, uh, a summer trade, a summer signing, uh, another offer sheet, and and who your ideal uh, candidate for that is. Uh, tr- try to be a little realistic uh, if you can. <laughs> Uh, is it is it is it Mitch Marner? Is it Patrick Lina? Is it Kyle Connor? Is it Shane Gostaspear? Uh Give us your shoot for the stars hope for a summer uh, uh, transaction for the Montreal Canadiens. And we want to hear that because I mean, if we're not going to talk about these options now, when are we going to talk about them? So uh, certainly throw those out if uh, if you have a shoot for the stars type move that you want to see happen. So I guess with with that said, you've talked about a couple of offer sheets that uh, that Montreal or a offer sheet that Montreal could throw out. I guess it's the time to talk about the one that they did throw out there, which was to Hurricanes forward Sebastian Ajo, a five-year deal worth $42.27 million. That's a very exact number. It had an annual average value of 8.454, which was the cutoff point for or just below the cutoff point for uh, the area where Montreal would have to give up two first round picks, a second and a third. They, for that offer, would only have to give up a first, a second and a third. Uh, So that was the annual average value, but the Montreal Canadiens front loaded that contract where Carolina, if they match, would have to pay 21 million in the first year with all sorts of signing bonuses and other things incorporated to make it seem or make it feel as though it might be a little bit of a hefty price. And that was very much what this deal was, was built on for Mark Bergevin and the Montreal Canadiens that first year. Beyond that, the contract over the course becomes a little bit more team-friendly to the point where in the last couple years, making in the ballpark of, of $6 million or a little bit less than that. So... It you know it was certainly an exciting period I think when that was announced from the Canadians' official Twitter account that they were intending to tender a qualify or excuse me an offer sheet to Sebastian Ajo, which he then signed. It was a lot of excitement on Habs Twitter, and and you know over the course of the next 24 hours it kind of became known that that might not be enough, but. I guess I'll ask you what your initial reaction was because mine was one of excitement. I think a lot of fans' reaction was one of excitement, but it kind of became a reality early on in the process that that might not be enough to uh, to steal Sebastian Ajo away from Carolina. Well, when this was brewing, um, uh, the the day before it happened, you and I had had a conversation about it, and it was one. It was a conversation of excitement, um, yeah. expecting, um, you know, that this this was going to be the the bold move that um, that Mark Bergevin um, executed in in order to get um, a, a, a young 
uh, budding star uh, and and add an immediate fix to his team. Now we saw that that uh, the Canadians um, pursued um, Matt Duchesne and, and Matt Duchesne uh, visited the Canadians and he made some uh, very polite statements uh, about uh, the history and his family's connection to the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, but everyone in hockey knew that he was going to Nashville. And, and you have to hope that the Canadians knew that as well. Uh, the Canadians made uh, uh, you know, inquiries about Anders Lee. Um, but in the end, uh, Anders Lee resigned with the New York Islanders. And, and it was pretty clear that the Islanders weren't going to lose a captain uh, two seasons in a row. Um, so this was um, when, when the Canadians had failed uh, to uh, improve their team via uh, the, the unrestricted free agent uh, route uh, that, that they employed something rarely, rarely used. And that is an offer sheet and it hasn't been used for six years. Uh, and even when it has been used, those, those rare times it has been used, it's only been uh, not matched um, uh, so successful once um, in the Dustin Penner um, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, situation. Um, and, and whether that were actually worked, <laughs> but, yeah, but anyway, that's, that's a, that's a conversation. separate conversation. <laughs> um, so as, as you said, we were excited. We were, we were, um, we were looking forward to Bergevin uh, playing this bold card. And, and if you're going to play a, a, a card that's rarely used, you play it boldly. And uh, I must say that I was shocked utterly shocked by how weak the offer was. And, and immediately it was by everyone in hockey. It was called a tepid offer. Um, it was called half measures. Um, it was really um, a weak attempt. And um, I mean, these kinds of things, if, if you're going to make, if you're going to use something that, that isn't used very often um and it's something that's going to disrupt the way uh, your team interacts with all other teams uh, from now till whenever, you better yeah. make sure that you're successful. You had better make sure that you're, you had better do everything possible to make sure you're successful. I mean, if, if you are, if you are lost in, in, in the forest, if you're, if you're lost in the woods and you're wandering for days and you're having trouble finding food yet. Yeah, it's, it's it takes a lot of work to collect those berries and and uh, and feed yourself. But if you come upon a sleeping bear who's sitting beside some food, and you feel that your best way to 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 improve your situation <laughs> is to steal the food from the bear, you better be damn sure it works. Because there are consequences yep. if it doesn't work. And that's exactly what happened here. Um, you know, I, I, it's, it's in these kinds of things, uh, Bergevin had three pressure points that he could have used in, 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 this, uh, in, in creating the offer sheet. Three pressure points. One was a front-ended, uh, front-loaded bonus. That's what he used, and that's all yep. he used. And he, and he put his whole faith in an agent, Jerry Johansson, Ajo's agent, 
his fairy tale that he created that that um, the the owner was in in uh, a tough financial situation. Um, and we know that because we heard yep. Johansson say it. This is going to be really tough. We heard Bergevin say it when he was asked, why didn't you do other things? And he said, uh, the key is the the signing bonus. The key is the 12 month upfront payment. And, and it was easily matched. It was easily yeah. paid. Um, I think, you know, Canadians fan base is pretty insular and they don't, they, they are Canadians fans and, and they don't necessarily see what's going on in hockey. There's a lot of success in, in Carolina. And when you think about the, um, when you talk about, uh, or you put it out there that the, um, owner Tom Dundon is in financial straits. You have to remember that he's a billionaire. He's a multiple yep. billionaire. His net worth is estimated at two billion dollars. That's two thousand million. Um, so when, and we'll get to that when he wrote the check. He's this is no big deal. I don't, you know, I don't necessarily enjoy doing it, but this is no big deal. <laughs> so there was three. Back to the three prongs. The, the the front end bonus they use that. What about the AAV? Yeah, it was a low ball offer, and every everybody in hockey knew it. Now, um, uh, the the as you said, the eight point four five million was forty six thousand dollars below the eight point five threshold that would have triggered another first round pick. Um, but why didn't why didn't um, Mark Bergevin add more money to that? Why didn't, you know, as many said, why didn't you go to 10 million, 10.4 million? Um, and when he was asked, Mark Bergevin said, oh, that wouldn't have made any difference. The key is the bonus payment. Yeah. And there was, there was murmuring in the, when he was asked that question, nobody in that room believed that it, 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 it wouldn't have played into the issue. And I, I read a, um, uh, it's a mainstream media person. I read his, his post. He said, I don't understand a Twitter post. I don't understand why people are saying this is a, such a low ball offer for, uh, uh, on the offer sheet. He said, Sebastian Ajo accepted it. So how is it low ball? You know, I don't know how people put their pants on in the morning. I really don't. (laughs) Uh, If if that's if that's what they believe, there's two there's two issues here. It not only has to be acceptable to Sebastian Ajo, but it has to trigger the team not to match it. So it's got to be it's irrelevant that that Sebastian Ajo um, uh, that it was enough for him. It has to be enough for the. Um, uh, Carolina Hurricanes, uh, not to match it, and and you know, a, a, of course, a ten point four million would would have caused them to think. And the other part, the third prong in this strategy, was the compensation, and and we talked about it that that first, a second, and a third. And had he gone up forty six thousand dollars more, an extra first round pick would have been added. Now yeah. at at ten point four million dollars getting four picks back, two of them first, um, and, and plus the, the big bonus payment up front, does that cause the, the Carolina Hurricanes to pause and say, hmm? Yeah. Hmm. 
But they didn't have to because it was such a weak offer. It was such a weak offer that was easily matched and only used one of the three prongs available. Um, this is, you know, the Canadians, uh, Mark Bergevin and fans were, um, were sold a fairy tale and they were sold it by Jerry Johansson. Why did he do that? It's because in the RFA negotiations, uh, you don't have much leverage as, a, as an agent or as a player. Um, you don't have much at all. And certainly we know Carolina wanted to sign Aho either to a one-year deal or an eight-year deal. A five-year deal is awful for them because it escorts, it runs right up to his free agency and escorts him right into, they wanted to buy up some of those uh, unrestricted free agent years. Five years is awful. Um, yeah. So, and, and I, I, I feel badly for, uh, let me go off on a tangent here. Um, I feel badly for the, the, the way the Canadians fans denigrated uh, the Carolina Hurricanes, the owner, the team, the players, the city, um, all of it. Um, Carolina, we talked to, we've talked about Carolina on this podcast a number yeah. of times. And, and the, the strides that they made – and the amazing season that they had, people forget that. Um, uh, they had a, a simply, not, not only the Carolina Hurricanes, uh, the Carolina Hurricanes had a, uh, you know, they, they turned things around, uh, had a, uh, a very good uh, regular season, and then they had a great playoff run ending in the Eastern Conference Final. But what about their organization? Their AHL affiliate, the Charlotte Checkers, they won the Calder Cup. Yep. They dominated in the playoffs, 15-4 and four record, 789 uh, uh, win percentage in, in the playoffs. They were great. And that's, where the, that's prospects waiting to, to, uh, that are being developed. Their ECHL affiliate last season was the Florida Everblades. They made it to the Eastern Conference Final, losing to the Kelly Cup champs, the Newfoundland Growlers, who we've spoken about. So when's the last time the Montreal Canadiens organization can boast that all three of their franchises made it to at least the Conference Final in the same year? Well, you're going back a bit. Yeah. (laughs) And last year when they didn't even have an an ECHL affiliate. It's easy to ridicule... um, but there are organizations who have a strategy to improve. They do make yeah. sound tactical decisions and presenting a tepid offer to Sebastian Ajo via the offer sheet was not a strong tactical move by the Montreal Canadiens. Um, I'm sorry. It just wasn't. Yeah. Well, and, and listen, obviously it's something that happens so rarely in the NHL. The last one, was tendered by Calgary to Ryan O'Reilly, and that was a whole thing. Didn't work out for them, and and it's not been a successful strategy when it's been employed. It typically does not work. So for Mark Bergevin to do that, the Montreal Canadiens were in a very unique situation where they had money to spend. They have two guys in their 30s who it'd be nice if they would actually give something to this team to tr- improve it dramatically with Carey Price and Shea Weber, you would like to add to this team in any way that you can and make it 
a legitimate playoff team. And getting Sebastian Ajo at age 21 coming off an 83-point season, that's about as good as it gets. So the Montreal Canadiens, yeah, they front-loaded the deal. Good for them. But guess what? You mentioned it. Tom Dundon, he owns an NHL team. He can dive into the couch cushions and find $21 million for that first year. The rest of it, it's pretty team-friendly for Sebastian Ajo. It does walk him to free agency. It's not ideal on term, but they got it done. They matched it a day afterwards. So after the initial excitement, what hit was the sobering realization that this thing, it's obviously going to get matched. Like any team, financially, if they're in any bit of dire straits, as you mentioned, the Carolina Hurricanes were at least told to Mark Bergevin to be in some financial sort of issue. And Tom Dundon with the the debacle that was that football league that folded, yes, it looked as though the Carolina Hurricanes were an easy target for this, but they weren't an easy target at that price. For the Montreal Canadiens to actually get arguably Carolina's best player, who was a 21-year-old who just had 83 points, you have to go to the next tier. And those that are saying that it wouldn't have made a difference, especially Mark Bergevin, that insinuation is, is so far from the truth because the harsh reality of an offer sheet, you have to overpay. You have to give more than what is deemed to be market value to essentially, because if you look at this, if you, if you were told, if someone said that you could have Sebastian Ajo for two first-round picks, a second and a third, you would do it. You would absolutely do it. You're effectively stealing a player from the other organization. You have to pay them accordingly, but more or less, you're not giving up anything from your roster. You're just giving up money. And the Montreal Canadiens have a lot of money, or at least they had a lot of money. Until they spent 1.5 on Mike Riley, 1.75 on Keith Kincaid. This is where the issue about where they're saving money becomes an issue. Because if you save enough money, if you develop your own, then you're at, an issue, you're at a point where parting ways with 9.5 to $10 million, that's not as big a concern anymore. And the Montreal Canadiens have a good enough farm system that they could have pulled this off. They could have pulled this off and... And you know what? Maybe at $3.4 million, Paul Byron becomes expendable. Got a bit of term left on that deal, but the AAV isn't too egregious. You could probably get a team to bite. Jeff Petrie, next year, I mean, maybe at 5.5, you say, well, look, we got Josh Brook. Noah Juleson hopefully gets back to where he was before that horrendous facial injury, that, and you hope that he can bounce back from that. But, I mean, all of those things, there's ways of massaging the cap so you can compete, you know, and Montreal's got a good enough system that they should be able to do that. So that's the frustration. You know, you heard from the negotiations that were going on that the Carolina Hurricanes kind of lowballed Aho at 7.5. His camp wanted about 9, 9.5 million. The natural progression of things would at least show you that at some point they were going to get to 8.5 million. So all Mark Bergevin did was expedite that process. So, you know, with all of the praise that was being heaped on him for trying the offer sheet and going down that road, listen, trying is the bare minimum requirement of any job. Any job in the world 
trying something, that's the bare minimum. So I'm, I can't get in that mindset, I'm sorry, to, to, uh, to congratulate or heap praise upon Mark Bergevin for trying something when it blew up in his face. The execution was horrendous on this. And it reminded me all, this all reminded me of a quote from Josh Donaldson back in 2015 during the Jays' season early in that year. They lost a game to Houston, and Josh Donaldson said, this ain't the tri-league, it's the get-it-done league. And Mark Bergevin has done little to get this team better, to actually improve and add to this team. This is a results-oriented business, and the Montreal Canadiens, 96 points, hey, it was a step up from where it was, but it's not the end goal. And quite frankly, they're not going to get there until Mark Bergevin and Jeff Molson pull up their big boy pants and actually add to this team. Yeah, it's um, it, it's funny when when you see people quite accepting of op- overpaying for an unrestricted free agent, um, and it, you know it's it's accepted that to get an unrestricted free agent to come to Montreal, one has to overpay. In in Ben Chirot's case, we saw that um, the the Winnipeg Jets offer was was. Uh, uh, just shy of, of $3 million over four years. So to, to, to cut off the uh, one year of term, uh, Mark Bergevin certainly overpaid and certainly, you know, uh, boosted his salary by $2 million um, uh, from, from last season. And, and you wonder if, and, and all of these, as you say, these, these fringe signings, when uh, a smart cap uh, uh, manager is going to use his, um, his young players, his players on ELCs to, to fill those roles. Instead, we're seeing a lot of, of, of Dale Weiss and Pekka and, and, and cousins and uh, uh, kind of contracts out there uh, that eat up that money that instead those you, you're supposed to be using your development uh, p- developed players to uh, put in those roles and, and save the money for um for these big moves, um, um, why not? Why not overpay for for the offer sheet if you're willing to do that for yep. uh, these other these other UFA uh, moves? I I, I guess I, I'm 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 really disappointed in um, the reactions that, uh, particularly on social media, that you can't have a a reasonable, rational discussion presenting these kinds of ideas that right away it's termed as Bergevin hate. Um, you know, the apologists uh, really want to protect their boy and, and uh, but terming any kind of criticism of this deal as, as, as hate is just, is, is silly. It, it's lazy uh, because you don't yeah. have to put together a cogent uh, argument. You just label everything hate, and you sit back and say, you know, I don't have to say anymore. And and there are justified reasons to think that this is a this was a bad move. Um, uh, not it was ill conceived. It was ill. It was poorly executed. Um, and uh, you know, I I hear the the well. Listen, he's trying all options to. Um, improve his team, but what, what's the harm? Well, there's lots of harm. Yeah. You know, um, th- first of all, there was no plan B. There was no plan B. Uh, as I said, he should have put his 
uh, if he was going to do this, go all in and use all the leverage he could to try and make this happen. He didn't. It was a weak offer. And then there was no plan B as a, as a follow-up. Uh, the Habs were and will be uh, left with nothing. Um, you know, with this uh, weak offer, Bergevin tied his own hands for seven days with respect to the, the cap space and the three bat gra- draft picks that were committed uh, via the, the AFO, uh, the AHO offer sheet. Um, and, and we, Mark Bergevin said that in the news conference, um, I have the quote somewhere. You, you take the risk when you do that. Guys are getting signed. But when you have that cap space tied up, you can't go out and spend it. Then you get the player and you're in a bad uh, position. Um, but we're still, even if it doesn't work out, we're still, in a, in a, we're still a very good hockey team. So it was almost as if he was saying, you know, we, um, we, 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 we don't have a backup. There is no plan B. And even if it doesn't work out well, we tried and we're still a very good hockey team. So was this just a PR stunt? Um, And it's a legitimate question um, because no one in hockey seemed to believe that it was serious. I mean, the the two options here, the two options are either um, Bergevin and Molson got sold a bag of goods by, by Jerry Johansson. They truly believed even though no one else in hockey did, they truly believed that Dundon was, was cash strapped and wouldn't match. They truly believed that no one else believed that, but they believed that boy, that's not a good look. The other, the other possibility is this was just, they knew it wasn't going to be successful, but it was, it was a stunt. It was, it was um, something that, that they thought would take the heat off of Mark Bergevin for not doing anything and take the heat off of, uh, Jeff Molson, who's been heavily criticized for not spending to the cap the last two seasons. Now, does that sound unbelievable that something like an offer sheet could be a PR stunt? It kind of does. Except if you listen to Mark Bergevin's own words in his pre- press conference, he said, this move, the offer sheet, shows our fans that Jeff Molson and ownership wants to be a good hockey team. So just the gesture shows that we're doing something that we want to be a good hockey team. But again, as you said, it's about doing, it's not about, it's not about trying. It's about doing. Um, And the real problem with this, in addition to the fact that there's no plan B is there are significant risks to doing this and failing. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the folks that say, well, you might as well try. It's just a naive uh, reading of the situation. And, and, and I know that offer sheets aren't well understood. And, and it's not understood why offer sheets aren't used. Um, and, you know, publicly, GMs around the league will say the politically correct thing. And they'll talk about it, that an offer sheet is, is part of the CBA and it's a tool that Bergevin has the right to use. But there's a reason that they're so rarely used. They're not looked kindly upon by GMs uh, in the league. And, I mean, you've heard the stories. I've heard the stories. Um, uh, Brian Burke tells a story about um, the NHL actually having to step in to prevent 
a fist fight between him and Kevin Lowe. And it was about, yeah. it was over offer sheets. Uh, we also know that Paul Holmgren um, um, stepped down from the Flyers GM role. And he publicly said that he, he was forced to leave the GM sh- uh, chair in Philly because other GMs would not deal with him after he put the offer sheet in on Shea Weber with Nashville. Um, yeah. We know that we've heard it. Um, and the reason is, the reason is simple. Nobody wants, nobody wants their players to be tampered with their own players. It's one thing, um, you know, unrestricted free agents leaving the team, uh, but their own players, they don't want them tampered with, especially their young stars. And that's who RFAs are. Um, and yeah, I mean, when you, when you talk to personnel from NHL teams off the record, uh, you hear several consistent messages. You, you just hear bluntly, don't, don't screw around with our players. Um, you also hear that this is going to change the marketplace. This is going to make things much more difficult for GMs to negotiate with their RFAs. Um, as I said, right now or prior to this, RFAs have very little leverage in their negotiations. But by, by Mark Bergevin conspiring with Ajo's agent, he just, he just basically handed um, uh, player agents a, a, a playbook on how to get the terms they wanted, which... Uh, Jerry Johansson did how he got the terms they wanted in negotiations. So listen, Mark Bergevin's uh, relationship is probably not going to change with, with, with his friends in the league, the Bob Murray's, the Stan Bowman's, the uh, Kevin Shovel day offs. Um, But it will, it will no doubt with, with, the, the rest of, of the league. And, and we know that. And, and for a GM who's constantly said, Hey, GMing is hard. Trading is hard. It's not like playing PlayStation. He's just made his own job much tougher. And that's not a good thing for the long term for the success of the Montreal Canadiens. Next year, Max Dome is up. It's going to be a very interesting negotiation, and uh, well, it remains to be seen if it might get to the point where another team tenders an offer sheet. So we'll have to wait and see. Would you like to get to what Montreal might do going forward? Because I mean, at this point, with you, you signed Ben Chirot, I mean, it's it's an interesting conversation to have. Do you think that they're going to be an active team? Do you think that this is, I mean, Bergevin is somebody who last year heading into, I mean, just before training camp started, made that Max Pacioretty trade. So it is early in the off season, but it seems as though there are a lot of options that are off the table for him. Well, you know that they're, they're, they're polling uh, right now. You know that, that they're, they're measuring the, uh, what they're, their season ticket holders, uh, how they, how they're reacting to, to this move, you know, that's what they're doing. And, and we talked about Molson, uh, this, this, this big switch from, uh, marketing the past, marketing the past, uh, Stanley cups, uh, successes, past stars, they moved to making it more entertaining and, and brought in a new marketing person and, 
and that this is this is this is part of this is weighing into hockey decisions now. And if if Mark Mark Bergevin and Jeff Molson determine that they have gotten enough mileage out of this attempt, um, uh, then maybe Mark Bergevin has answered the question saying, um, you know, if this doesn't work, we're still a pretty good hockey team. And if they get that sense uh, out there that, that they are seen favorably by making this move, then maybe they do, don't do anything else. Um, if they want to do something else, boy, it's going to take uh, some creativity because uh, they've, they've, they box themselves in with all of these, you know, and we, we talked about all the fringe signings in the off season. I think it's up to 17, 18, something like that. Um, it's going to be tough and it's going to take one of those PlayStation kind of moves to package players together and uh, try and make something. Happen. Um, I don't know, but they've, you know, how do they react to their fans? How do they react to their star players? How do they react to Carey Price and Shea Weber, who've been really quite vocal in saying the time is now? Carey Price yeah. saying, "I'm thrilled that we uh, for the organization that we have uh, a great prospect pool, but that doesn't help me until they step into the lineup." Uh, yeah. How how is how are they going to react to that? Um, and as I said. In this pro, this failed process, he's just made his job much tougher, um, much tougher in executing those trades that he was already having difficulty with. Um, and if you look at the, if if you look at the the the, the lineups uh, or the, the roster, and and it's something that I put together and shared with um, with yourself and another credential, uh, one of our other credentialed reporters, Amy Johnson, and we just start just start telling names. Um, if you, if you assume, make the assumption that Nick Suzuki is going to Laval, make the assumption that Dale Weiss is going to be going to Montreal, uh, going to Laval. Although that would be a disaster because Dale Weiss's attitude uh, last year in Laval was terrible. Assume yeah. that Matthew Pekka is going to Laval. Assume that Phil Veroni is going to Laval. Assume Willette and Alsner are going to Laval and Charlie Lindgren you're still left with 14 forwards in Montreal. Um, you're still left with eight def- defensemen in Montreal and two goaltenders. Um, it's, it's, it's going to be tough to, to find places for all these guys. And with all of the, the um, enthusiasm as there should be about the prospects uh, in, uh, in Laval right now, looking at this, uh, I count, uh, 18 forwards in Laval. I count eight defensemen. I count four goaltenders in Laval. Yeah. And granted, granted, we know that that some of these guys, uh, the Joe Coxes and and uh, Morgan Adams Moisan and Connor Lacouve and um, that that they're likely uh, William Pelche. They're likely going to start in the ECHL if there's if there's a team we remember that the Canadians don't have an ECHL affiliate. Uh, are they going to Maine or where are they going? And, and um, with, with players like Belzeal and Evans and Barber and Veroni and Suzuki and Teasdale and Yevpilov and Vedamo and Alain and McCarron uh, and Pekka and Verbeek, how are these guys going to get the time that they need uh, in 
um, in Laval. I think Mark Bergevin has put himself into a situation where he has to make a trade, um, make a big trade, move some guys out. Now, it's July 6th. There's lots of time to do that, but um, we haven't seen him be able to pull off one of those kind of moves uh, in the past. Uh, let's see what he can do um, leading up to training camp this year. As you said, it is July 6th. There is lots of time left in the off season before the uh, the season starts again in October. So I guess optimism will reign for at least another little while. But if the uh, Canadians go into next season with a lineup that looks similar to what they aced last year, I think it'll be hard to muster up a lot of enthusiasm for the season. So uh, it's I guess the ball is in Mark Bergevin's court on that one. So we'll see what he does. So we're going to take our last break here on the Canadians Connection podcast. And when we return, we will discuss the shoot for the stars moves that you might like to see that have been thrown out there. So we're going to discuss that when we come back. Stay with us. The Canadians Connection is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked-out hockey cave or fan ink. Well, don't just show your friends. Show your Habs. The team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Include the hashtag ShowYourHab when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Then log on to ShowYourHab.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Habs fans all over the world. A proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. Visit rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us for further details and information regarding this unique marketing opportunity. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net. We're back here on the Canadians Connection podcast. And, you know, there's been some things, I mean, it was a little bit of a, it was a tweet that was sent by David Pagnotta that kind of sent hockey Twitter back into <laughs> a little bit of a, of a just, well, it was crazy, really, because he said that the idea of tendering an offer sheet to Mitch Marner, at least that's coming from 
more the Islanders side of things than the Canadians, but also throughout the idea that the Canadians could offer sheet another Finnish hockey player being Patrick Lina of Winnipeg. So that kind of sent Twitter into another spiral about offer sheets. So Rick, I know that there's been a little bit of discussion on your part about, <laughs> about Patrick Lina potentially becoming a Montreal Canadian. So what, what have your responses been and what have your thoughts been on that in general? Yeah. Again, I, <laughs> Uh, it's not coming from me because that would be an no, absolute yeah. pipe dream. I can't see any scenario where the Jets would let um, uh, Patrick Lina go. I can't see any scenario where um, the the Maple Leafs would let Marner go. And also tossed out there by uh, some media is is Braden Point's name. And I can't see any scenario where the Tampa Bay Lightning let him go. Um, you know, and and it's it's uh, it's fans who, and and um, you know we've we've asked for for your response. Shoot for the uh, for the stars. Uh, we want to hear your shoot for the stars. Hope for um, a summer trade, a summer signing, um, maybe another offer sheet. Um, is it Lina? Is it Kyle Connor, who's also in the same situation with the Jets? Is it is it? Um, uh, Patrick Liney is Mitch Marner is could it be a trade with um, yeah. Shane Gossett's beer although we've heard from um, <clears throat> the GM in in Philly that uh, Fletcher's saying Gossett's beer isn't going anywhere um, but I, I you know some fans are kind of getting ahead of themselves and and we have Rob Kleinman on Twitter who says uh, with Caulfield and Lane we don't really need Suzuki um, and there's also some doubts about um, his skating and how his game uh, will transfer to the NHL. So uh, some fans uh, are taking this to the nth degree and, and uh, I can read a number of similar ones on uh, from our, our Facebook fan page um, who are already to the point where, okay, this is a done deal on ice coming to the Montreal <laughs> Canadiens. So let's figure out where he fits in the lineup, who's best to play with him and who becomes redundant and, and, and tradable. Um, so uh, we want to hear from, we'll have a little fun with this. We want to hear from you too, as well. Um, there's uh, on, on, on Facebook, uh, just go to the, the all Habs fan page uh, on Facebook. Just type in all Habs uh, in the search bar and you'll be taken to our fan page. And there's all kinds of, uh, post articles content there that that you can respond to, and we've we've got uh, tens of thousands of engagements uh, or on, on this particular uh, conversation, uh, this particular topic about uh, offer sheets and potential things. And on Twitter, you can find us as well, can't you? Absolutely, you can find myself at Joela19. You can follow Rick at All Habs, and we've got. The, uh, this podcast with its own Twitter account at Habs Connection, which you can also follow on Instagram and uh, and Facebook. So you can reach us at a, at a wide range of accounts, and uh, and we love to hear from you. As Rick mentioned, we're called the Canadians Connection for a reason, and uh, we love to connect uh, with our listeners. And and Rick, there as we through the course of the off season, obviously there's going to be different news items that pop up. It's that time of year that hockey fans love with all sorts of player movement. 
And that means that there's plenty to read about on allhabs.net and in addition to the, uh, the four podcasts that we offer as well. That's right. Um, on allhabs.net, go to allhabs.net. You're going to find news items. And, um, and, and if you don't have time to read every item, we have uh, every Monday, we have a kind of a capsule article called the Habs Notepad put together by uh, our friend and colleague on this podcast, Chris G. Um, you're going to have um, opinion articles. You're going to have editorials uh, on all of these topics. And uh, we put out, push out fresh content every day uh, and uh, make allhabs.net a regular destination uh, in your off-season. As well, um, we have four podcasts, and uh, we were told, especially at the draft, how much you enjoy the, the Rocket Sports Radio uh, package of, of podcasts that we put together Um for two of them, we haven't, we haven't, other than going to the draft, we haven't missed a week. Uh, that being this podcast, the Canadians Connection, the live podcast every uh, Saturday at 1 Eastern. There's also from the press box, and it too is put together with uh, credential journalists, and, and that one focusing on um, the AHL, on prospects. Uh, and uh, with me on that podcast is. Uh, our, our lead uh, reporter for the AHL report, credentialed reporter, Amy Johnson. Um, and we have two others that uh, you can uh, catch up with. Uh, and those are our fan podcast, have a listen and Habs unfiltered. And uh, those are quite entertaining as well. Um, look for, for us um, either on the AHL.report website or the allhabs.net. Um, um, website and uh, and you can find us uh, on your favorite podcast app as well yeah absolutely you just hit uh, well you search for rocket sports radio and you hit that subscribe button and you get the the all habs the uh, the great rocket sports radio list of podcasts from the press box with yourself and amy johnson this canadians connection podcast have a listen and habs unfiltered just hit the subscribe button, and uh, those are all on Overcast. If you tune in, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you uh, you find podcasts. And uh, yeah, so we'll be back this time next week. And uh, it's as I said, it's a great time of year for hockey fans. Lots of player movement. So next week, I'm sure there'll there'll be more to talk about with respect to the Montreal Canadiens and different moves and different rumors that there might be around that time. So we will discuss all of those things next week. 1 p.m. Eastern. That is 2.30 Newfoundland time. We will talk to you then. Thank you for tuning in to the Canadians Connection. For the latest news on the Montreal Canadiens, follow us on Twitter at Connection and visit allhabs.net.